This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, New Life. How y'all doing today? Good. I am so excited to share with you this morning. When you came in, you got a program, and you're going to want to grab a few things out of it. Some teaching notes, because they'll tell you where we're going this morning. And the card that says start here, that's your connect card. You're going to want to fill that out because we have some things to do with it a little bit later on. So grab those teaching notes, grab your connect card, and get comfortable because, listen, we created this space so that you could have a space to encounter God, to experience Him. If you're new with us today, an extra special welcome to you. I'm so glad you came. You are a gift to us. And I just want to tell you so I can set you at ease right now, we aren't going to make you do anything. Uh, I'm not going to make you stand up and introduce yourself or anything like that. We just want you to to engage with God, to engage with us this morning. Uh, If you're new, you don't know who I am. So I want to tell you a little bit about me. My name is Kevin. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and I'll be sharing with us this morning. Uh, I have two incredible kids, Maddie, who's four years old, and Landon, who's two years old. And I'm married to a really wonderful woman named Maria. And Maria and I have uh, an interesting dating relationship. Uh, Not anymore. Well, we still date, but when we were dating initially, she lived in Wisconsin, and I lived in California. And this was in the days when uh, Skype was just kind of starting, but we didn't have Skype, and we didn't have G-chat, video chat, Uh, we didn't have FaceTime, we didn't have all that stuff. So we took kind of an old-fashioned approach to dating. Uh, I did things that some of you you wives are going to think is great, and some of you guys are already going to hate me, just starting out, okay? Uh, We did things like we kept a journal that we passed back and forth to each other. It was very notebook-esque. I mean, it was very romantic. So I would write in it, and then I'd fly out and see her and give it to her, and then she'd write in it for a couple weeks, and she'd fly out and see me. It was really nice. We wrote letters back and forth to each other. We emailed each other, and we talked on the phone. And it was great. It was kind of this old-fashioned thing. But what, what are you going to do when you live 2,000 miles away and you don't have Skype and you don't have FaceTime and you can't see each other? You have to form the relationship in different ways by doing something that we used to call getting to know each other. You know, big stuff like what's your middle name and how many siblings do you have? All the really big, important stuff that should happen at some point in relationships. And it was great. See, the more we began to know each other, uh, the more we began to build trust with each other. So even though we lived 2,000 miles away from each other, we never had questions uh, about whether or not the other person was being honest with us because this, this knowing each other formed a relationship and this forming a relationship built trust and this trust ultimately became love. And so some 2,000 miles away uh, for our entire relationship, we actually got engaged while we were living long distance and got married. And we've been married for uh, six years, and she's just an incredible lady. Uh, but I know something about relationships. I know I don't know a lot about relationships, but I know some things about relationships. One of the things I know about relationships is that trust is key in all relationships. Think about it. Trust is key in all of your relationships. Your marriage, if you don't trust each other, the marriage tends to fall apart. Or if you have kids— Isn't trust key in your relationship with your kids? If they break curfew, uh, you can't trust them anymore, so their curfew gets lowered. If they tell you they're going to be somewhere and they go somewhere else, you can't trust them. And so you watch them and you monitor them. And I hear there's things on your phone now where you can actually, like, lojack them. It's very exciting. You can, like, track them and find out where they're going. I have a girl that's four going on 14, so she will be lojacked at all times. (laughs) At all times. 
or in friendships. If you can't trust your friend, how many of you were in junior high and you told your best girlfriend that you had a crush on a boy and then all of a sudden she was dating that boy? What happened to the friendship? It didn't work because you couldn't trust her anymore. Trust is key to all healthy relationships, which is why betrayal in a relationship is so painful. Uh, which is why in a marriage, when pe- couples come into me and there's been some sort of betrayal, and it could be anything. It could be, uh, you know, he told me he had the finances under control, and I just found out that we're going into bankruptcy, and he never told me about it. The business went under. Or it could be uh, one of the betrayals, you know, she went out or he went out and fell in love with someone else and had this betrayal. When couples come into me and there's a betrayal that's happened, it's incredibly painful and incredibly hard to rebuild the relationship because trust is key. And when you can't trust someone, you start thinking things like, I thought I knew you. I thought you were one way, but you're actually this other way. And when we don't trust someone, we don't want to be around them. And when we don't trust someone, we don't want to listen to them. And when we, trust, we don't trust someone, we absolutely do not want to follow them. And we're going to talk about following, and we're going to talk about trust, and all kinds of great things today, because we're in week two of this series that we're calling Free. And we learned on Easter Sunday, which, by the way, how many of you came to Easter Sunday? Yeah, it was incredible. Easter Sunday was amazing. We saw people giving their lives to Christ. We had so many people in here that we were like guiding them down to the front. I thought people were going to start sitting on the floor. It was absolutely wonderful. But we learned on Easter Sunday that Jesus came to the earth, lived a perfect life, died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, and then rose again so that we could be free so that we could experience freedom. And Ron said, that's the what. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the how. How do we experience freedom in our lives? Because the great thing about Christianity is Jesus offers freedom to everyone. You can be free. The starting point of freedom is entering into a relationship with Jesus, but that's not the ending point to freedom. Because I can't tell you the number of people who who come through the doors and who come into my office and they've been uh, uh, in a relationship with Jesus. They've known, it sounds weird, like you're dating. You're in a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's my status. I'm in a relationship with Jesus. Uh, They've been in a relationship with Jesus. And I know if you're new to Christianity, that sounds odd, but that's what it is. The Bible says that God wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't want to just be a boss. He wants to be a father. And so you're in this relationship with Jesus. But at the same time, you're still in bondage is the word we used last week, or slavery is another word that we used. And, and bondage is basically this. It's anything that keeps you from experiencing the incredible life that God created you for. God wants you to be free. He died on a cross and rose again so you could be free, but I can't tell you the number of Christians, of people who believe in God, who aren't free. They're forgiven, and someday will be in heaven, which is an amazing thing, but God wants freedom for us now. And here's what God wants freedom from. Ron gave us a great word picture of a spiritual tick. God wants us to be free from spiritual ticks. Remember, he said last week, spiritual ticks are anything that clamp onto us, and they start off small, but they kind of grow and grow and grow over time, just like really nasty growth real ticks do, to the point where we can't get rid of them. We can't get them off. And so uh, a spiritual tick could be something like uh, you felt bad one day, and so you went shopping, and you bought a new shirt, and then you felt better about yourself. And you felt better for a couple days, and the, the tick clumped on. You thought, well, this is kind of nice. I buy a shirt. I feel good about myself. This is fun. But then the next time you feel bad about yourself, you go out again, and you have to buy two shirts to feel better, and the tick starts to grow. And all of a sudden, this thing that, that started out as kind of helpful to help you f- kind of feel free 
has trapped you because every time you feel bad about yourself, you go out and you buy more and more and more stuff. And now all of a sudden you're in a crazy amounts of debt because the shirt's not enough. The shoes aren't enough. Now it's got to be a car. Now it's got to be a house. We have to have more and more and more. And the spiritual tick of materialism is now consuming us and it's huge. Or, or maybe uh, you were doing your taxes or you're doing your taxes right now and you're thinking, maybe I'll just cheat on my taxes a little bit. Why not? Nobody will know. And you start to cheat on your taxes. You think, oh, I got away with it. It's kind of nice. So then the next year comes and you cheat on your taxes again. And all of a sudden the tick starts to grow because you're, you're so afraid of being caught now that you, you don't want to go to the DMV or you don't want to turn in any paperwork. You don't want the government to know you. Now you're a conspiracy theorist. And like, what's going to happen in my life? If they find me, they're going to take me down. See, these ticks start off small. They start off kind of helpful. They help us to cope with our slavery, with those things that are keeping us from experiencing God. But over time, over time, they kind of trap us and they suck the life out of us. But Jesus came so that we could have incredible life, a true life, a life of joy, a life of passion, a life of of purpose. And so we're going to talk about the first step to freedom today. And the first step to freedom is not removing your spiritual tick. We're going to talk about removing spiritual ticks a little bit later on. Here's the first step to freedom. I'm going to tell you right up front. The first step to freedom is learning how to trust God. The first step to freedom is trust, because trust is key to any healthy relationship. And remember, God wants to have a relationship with us. But if we're honest, even a lot of us in here who are Jesus followers would say, I have a hard time trusting God. And I don't blame you. Listen, it's hard to trust someone you can't see, and we can't see God. Maybe you were raised in a, a Christian tradition or a background where God was, was this painted, picture was painted of God, and he was, he was cruel or mean or out to get you, or he was a killjoy. And because of that, you have a hard time trusting God. Maybe you had a really deep belief in God, but God wasn't anything more than a magician or a miracle worker, and uh, at one point, you prayed for God to do a miracle in your life, to heal someone or to do something or to bring someone into your life, and God didn't seem to do it. And now you wonder, can I trust God? Because I asked God for something, and God didn't give me what I asked for. I asked him like a cosmic Coke machine to give me my Pepsi, and he didn't give me my Pepsi. And now I wonder, can I even, can I even trust him anymore? For some of us, it's hard to trust God because God says some crazy stuff. If you ever read your Bible, he says some crazy stuff. Jesus says things like, listen, if you want to save your life, you have to lose your life. That makes no sense. He says, listen, if you want to be rich in the kingdom of God, here's an idea. Give your money away. Doesn't make sense. Jesus says things like, if you want to have influence, if you want to be a leader, if you want to transform this world, be a slave. Be a servant. Wash people's feet. It's hard to trust somebody who, when you read the things he has to say, it just, it doesn't make sense. So we can't see him. Maybe he didn't come through for you at some point. Maybe the things he says are crazy. They don't make sense. And now you're wondering, how can I trust God? See, all these things lead us to not trusting him. And if we can't trust him, we can't have a relationship with him. But more than anything else, I think there's one thing that keeps us from trusting God. And there's a little tiny book in the back of the New Testament called the book of James. And it's written by a guy who knew Jesus really well, written by his half-brother, a guy named James. And James is writing to this group of people who's brand new to their faith. And they've just started to put their trust in Jesus. And that's the definition of, of faith, right? Is putting your trust into Jesus. So these people started putting their trust in Jesus. And it changed their lives. 
for some really good things. They started experiencing freedom and joy and a deep sense of community, and they had this relationship with God. But right in the midst of it, they started to experience some persecution. Some of them started to lose their jobs because of their faith in Jesus. No one would would sell to them. They couldn't buy anything from people. And so financially, they were having a hard time. Rumors started circulating about these people that they did all these crazy things and they were this cult. And so kind of some, a lot of their friends started to pull away from them. They had this persecution happening. And right in the middle of it, these people that James is writing to began to question God. They begin to to wonder, can I really trust him? They begin to say things like, well, maybe God's the one who's causing this persecution. Maybe God's the reason why we aren't experiencing things the way we should experience them. And their trust began to drop and drop and drop. And so in James chapter 1, verse 13, James says this. He says, when you're tempted, because these people were going through persecutions, they're being tempted. When you're tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. And here's why. God is cannot be tempted by evil, nor does God tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after their desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when it's full grown, sin gives birth to death. That's that tick thing that Ron was talking about. Remember, it starts off small. It seems good. Sin is the tick. Sin starts off small. It starts off inside of us. And then he uses this birth metaphor. We conceive it. We give birth to sin, this action that we do, and then when sin is full grown, it leads to death. So it starts off looking nice, gossip. We start making friends because we're, we're gossiping about other people and everyone wants to talk to us. And it starts off getting us friends, but in the end, no one can trust us because we just gossip about everybody. And so everyone starts to run away. And, and it's this sin that leads to death, that leaves us alone, in pain, sad. I, I talk to college guys all the time, and here's the thing I warn them about. I said, listen, getting drunk on the weekends when you're 20 is cool. Getting drunk every weekend when you're 30 makes you an alcoholic. Okay, don't do it. It starts off good, but the pattern you're setting now will lead to death. And I've seen marriages crash because one couple's, one spouse is an alcoholic, and it's just, it's incredibly painful. James is saying this. He's saying, look, when, it, when you sin, it's not God doing it, it's you. You have this thing inside of you that we're going to talk about. And it conceives and it gives birth to sin. But Jesus came to conquer sin because sin leads to death. So he says in verse 16, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Don't be deceived. James says, listen, Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. God wrapped himself in flesh and he came to earth and he walked this earth and lived a perfect life. And then he gave himself on a cross and he took the penalty for your sin upon himself so that you could be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead. Don't be deceived. God doesn't want bad things for you. God wants good things for you. Why would God want anything but freedom if he gave himself for you? He says, don't be deceived. The reason why you're not trusting God Your main block to trusting God is what he would say to them is that you don't really actually know him. And that's our main block. Our main block to trusting God is that we don't actually know God. We don't know him. See, these guys were new to Christianity. They they believed in God enough to kind of walk with him, put their faith in him. But when these hard times hit, they said, I don't know if I really trust God because God has not proven himself to me. And we can't trust someone that we don't really know. And this is an issue for us. And I want to talk to people who are in their 40s and below for a second. This is especially an issue for us. 
Because we are a culture of skeptical people. We don't trust anyone. And I know this because I worked on a college campus for six years before I came here. And listen, once I was about a year older than the oldest students, they thought they couldn't trust me anymore because I was one of them. I was the man. I was out. Listen, something happened around like the time of Watergate and Vietnam that changed the culture of America to we became a people who doesn't trust anybody anymore. And I'm the worst offender. I had a guy come to our house maybe eight months ago selling candy bars. He said he was in high school, but he looked older. It was suspicious. And so I cracked my door. He's like, I'm selling candy bars for something, some school, whatever. And I'm like, you don't look like you're in high school. I don't know about this. But I bought a candy bar because I was a little nervous. If I don't buy it, what's going to happen, you know? So I bought a candy bar. And I shut the door, and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if he was, like, casing the house or something. This, like, 18-year-old, 17-year-old. I don't know. Maybe he's casing the house. He's going to come back. Did he see my kids? Whatever. Did he lace the candy bar? All these thoughts are going through my head. So, so a perfectly good candy bar. I threw it away. A perfectly— Ah, oh, it was tragic. It was tragic. And, and you guys— Listen, it wasn't because I was all healthy at that point. It was just, I was suspicious. I couldn't trust him. And you're laughing at me, but you're the same way. You're the same way. You lock your car. You lock your house. You lock your cell phone. Who's going to break into your cell phone? I don't care what's on your cell phone. You lock your Facebook page. I don't care what's on your Facebook page. We lock our Wi-Fi. We lock everything. Why? Because we don't trust people. We don't trust people, and, and maybe, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe it's because it's a scary world, but, but that's an issue when it comes to God. Because if we don't trust God, we'll never follow God. And the only way to get to trust God is to actually know God. And James is saying to the people, the reason you don't trust God is because you don't know God. Because if you knew God, you would know that God is trustworthy. Here's a few things James says about God. God is only good all the time. He says God is good. He doesn't have a mean streak. He doesn't have a dark side. God doesn't change. God never woke up on the wrong side of the cloud. Okay? God never had hormone imbalances or hot flashes. And I'm talking to guys too. Okay? God, God doesn't change. God is good. And here's the last thing he says. God gives good gifts to his children. God doesn't want you to sin. He's not tempting you to sin. He actually gives you good gifts. Salvation is a good gift from God. The Bible says that it's by grace, by God's grace, that we're saved through our trust in Jesus, through our faith in him. It's a gift. And freedom is a gift that God wants to give to us. And I know what you're thinking because you're skeptical, just like me. You're thinking, well, all right. If God is good, then why does God allow me to have this sin that kind of lingers in my life, these spiritual ticks that hang on to me? Why, why does God allow me to not do the things that I, I want to do, to be the person I want to be? And, and then why does God allow me to keep doing these things that I don't want to do? If God is really good, why doesn't God just take it away? And I want to tell you, I've really wrestled with that. Because I've had all kinds of spiritual ticks in my life, things that hung on, things that when I was a follower of Jesus hung on, things that when I went into ministry hung on. I'm a passionate person. I've told you guys that. I, I just, I exude emotion, which can be really good or it can be really bad. Because I remember the first time I was in a relationship in college, the first time that I yelled at my girlfriend when we were in a fight and I, I yelled at her and she was quiet. Something inside me happened where I thought, man, if I just yell, that'll end the conversation. And I liked having that conversation end. So at 19, a tick grabbed onto me. 
and over the course of my other relationships and even into my marriage, we get into fights and I try to control my, my temper, but then every once in a while I would just yell, I'd blow up and the tick got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I remember praying, God, just take this away. God, just, just take it away. I don't want to be this kind of person. What if, what if people knew what was going on inside of me? Would they even accept me? Would they want me? And I know you've had those feelings too. So we pray, God, take it away, but God doesn't take it away. Why doesn't he take it away? And I wrestled with it. God, why don't you take it away? And I think the main reason God doesn't take it away is because we've got a lot of issues in our lives. And we, have, we do a good job of managing our issues. But until we hit rock bottom, it doesn't actually become what it really is, which is a sin that leads to death. Here's an example. Some of you have money issues right now. The issue is that you got no money. The issue is that you're spending too much money. But you're managing the issue with credit cards and other things. And guess what? It's not going to be till you hit bankruptcy, till you hit rock bottom, that that issue becomes what it really is, which is a sin that is leading you to death. So God allows you to have this issue continue on, hoping that you'll turn to him. Some of us have marriage issues. The issue is we don't like our marriage. We fight in our marriage. We don't get along. But we're managing the issue. We're keeping up appearances. And it's not until, until one day he walks in and looks at you and says, I don't think I love you anymore. And you look back at him and, and ladies, you're smart. You don't always say this. You just think to yourself, I don't think I love you anymore either. And you're on the brink of divorce, but you don't want to get divorced because of the kids and because of the family. And all of a sudden, that issue, when you hit rock bottom, gets exposed for what it really is, which is sin that's leading you to death, which is bondage that's keeping you from freedom. So Jesus allows us to have these issues because he knows that at some point we're going to hit rock bottom and then turn to him. Because he doesn't want us to manage issues until we die. He wants us to experience freedom today. But Jesus is the only freedom maker. We can manage okay, but Jesus can bring freedom in our lives. He died to bring freedom in our lives. He rose again to show us that he has the power to bring freedom in our lives. So God allows us to have these these spiritual ticks, these things that hang on, because he's hoping that when we hit rock bottom, we'll turn to him. And when we turn to him, we'll experience freedom. So here's what we have to do. We have to get to know Jesus so that we can put our trust in Jesus, so that we can follow Jesus, because when we follow Jesus, we experience freedom. The first step towards trusting God is getting to know God. I used to think that the first step towards freedom uh, was fixing the problem. I'm a problem fixer. I'm a guy. I like to fix things. So my wife's got that going against her. Uh, and I'm a pastor, which means I like to give spiritual insight, so, which in small doses is really helpful. That's why you come back, because in small doses, this is really helpful. You want insight, and you like someone who tries to fix things. But when you're married to me, what I found out was that can be a little much. Because Marie would come to me and say, Kevin, I'm anxious. And I'd have a Bible verse for it. I'd say, listen, the Bible says, don't be anxious in anything, but in all things through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Problem solved. Kevin, I'm stressed out. Don't be stressed out. Kevin, I'm, I, I get, I'm getting angry. Well, don't be angry. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. It's all right there. <laughs> she said to me, Kevin, Kevin, you, this is horrible. I feel like you're always trying to fix me. Can I just come to church on Sunday? You can try to fix me there. Don't try to fix me all week long. <laughs> and so I stopped trying to fix 
And I started praying, God, would you help Maria to, to trust you even more in every area of her life? I didn't even give specifics because God knew them. Just try to help her to, to trust you more. And here's what happened over the course of the next few months. Maria came face to face with God in a lot of these different areas. And all the things I was trying to fix just kind of got fixed on their own because she came to trust him more deeply, to know him more deeply. And I wasn't getting in the way trying to fix her all the time. Uh, ladies, don't try to fix your husbands. Let God do it. Sorry, I'm kind of a, a female in that. I try to fix my spouse. It didn't work. The first step towards freedom is not trying to fix the problem. The first step towards freedom is trusting God as we get to know him. That's why James goes on to say this. He says, once you've done that, then, then he says in verse 22, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So now that you've come to trust him, he says the next step is do what God says to do in his word. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at it, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently at the perfect law, the law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Here's how you know if you trust God. You're doing what God says to do. Because if I went up to you and I asked you, hey, do you trust God? I guarantee almost everyone in here would say to me, yeah, I trust God. Of course I trust God. I'm a Christian. I trust God. Here's how you know if you trust God. Are there certain areas in your life where God is saying to do A, but you're refusing to do it? Instead, you do B. God's saying do A, but you do B. If that's true for you right now, then you're not trusting God. And James would say the reason why you're not trusting God is because you don't know him. Because if you just got to know him, you would trust him because God is only good all the time because God wants freedom for your life. So just take some inventory. Are there things that you know God says to do that it's not that you're trying to do it and you just are, you can't, you're struggling. There are things you know you should do that you just say, I'm just not going to take that part of the Bible and do it. It's like you're tearing a page out and throwing it away. I just, I'm not going to do that. If so, maybe there's a, a trust issue. And if the only way to trust Jesus is to get to know Jesus, then we have to ask ourselves, how do I get to know Jesus? How do I get to know him? Well, I want to tell you, and this is deep, so get ready to write this down, okay? Get ready. You got your pens? Okay. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. A great way to get to know Jesus is by reading the biographies of his life. The biographies of Jesus' life are called the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. Or go online, BibleGateway.com. You can see a Bible right there. If you want to get to know Jesus, if you want to trust him more fully, you have to get to know him. And the, only, the best way to get to know him is to read about his life. Read the things he said. Read the things he did. And, and the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are a great way to do that. I love what John says about his gospel. He wrote this biography of Jesus' life. And at the end of it, this is what he says. In John chapter 20, he says, I've written this so that you may believe, so that you may put your trust in Jesus, so that you may get to know him, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wrote his books so that we would get to know 
Jesus. And as we get to know Jesus, we would transfer our trust to Jesus. And the more we trust Jesus, the more we'll follow Jesus. And the more we follow Jesus, the more freedom we have. And so we're going to do something as a church that we're calling the 21-Day John Challenge. And we created these, uh, these books, and it's the entire Gospel of John, the biography of Jesus' life, broken up into 21 days. It's all right here for you. When you leave today, everybody's going to get one because we have incredible volunteers that printed and folded and stapled like 600 of these. So do not recycle it or they will get mad at me. We have scary volunteers. Inside of this book are the words of Jesus, the words of God. And if you're having a hard time trusting him right now, the best thing you can do with the month of April is invest 10 minutes a day getting to know Jesus. It could change your life. Some of you are here today and you're thinking, you know what? I don't believe the Bible. I'm not asking you to believe the Bible. How how many of you have ever read a book and from the very beginning said, I know I'm going to believe everything this book says. I'm not asking you to believe everything the Bible says. I'm just asking you to read about Jesus for 21 days and then decide if you believe. I'm not going to ask you to do anything with what you read. Just read it. 10 minutes a day. It has little questions for you. It has a spot to write stuff down. It's incredible. 10 minutes a day to get to know Jesus, and it could change your life. Here's why it's so important. I guarantee you, you will only follow someone that you trust. And you'll only trust someone that you know. And the the best way to get to know Jesus is to, to read about him. And freedom, which is what God designed you for, freedom comes from knowing God, from placing your trust in God, and from following God. And when we do it, we experience freedom. Friend, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, this 21-day challenge is for you. You owe it to yourself to explore the realities of Christianity, and we're giving you a free book to do it. If you're here today and you're a Christian, but there are certain parts of the Bible that you just would rather skip over it, you don't think you believe, This challenge is for you. Read every part of it. I'm not even telling you to do anything with it. Just read it. Just read it. And if certain parts of it seem compelling to you and you want to put it into action, all the better. Start to do it. If you're here today and and you, man, you just couldn't love Jesus any more than you do and you're following him in every area of your life, this challenge is for you. Because it's like picking up an old friend and getting to know him even better. The more we know him, the more we'll trust him. The more we trust him, the more we'll follow him. And in following Jesus, we experience freedom. And that's the first step. We're going to talk about all the other steps after that, but if we're not following Jesus, the best we can do is sin management. But God wants us to be free. So pull out those connect cards for a second. I want to give you some ways to put this into practice. The bottom one is one that I'm hoping everyone will do. So I want you to pull out that connect card on the back. It says, I want to apply today's teachings by. And the bottom one says, I'm going to to take the John challenge this month. And listen, we are so kind that we gave you two extra days in this month. So if you start the challenge today and you miss two days, you can still do it. Or you could read the whole thing in a week and be an overachiever. I will give you a gold star. Way to go. 
I'm going to take the John Challenge this month. If you would do it, if you're open to it. And again, I'm not telling you you have to believe everything it says. Just get to know him. If you're open to it, mark that on your card. And when you leave, grab one of these books. And then we'll have them for the next month. We'll have them out in the lobby. We'll have them all over the place. So if you lose yours, you can grab another one. Don't worry about that. But grab one today and start reading it. And that's all, that's all I'm going to ask most of you to do today. Just spend 10 minutes a day reading about Jesus for the next 21 days. But if you're here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, where you, you've come to know him, where you've come to, to transfer your trust over to him, where you've come to believe in him, I want to talk to you for a second. You might not know everything about God. You might not know everything about Jesus, but I know there are some of us here today and you've heard enough. You've heard enough to transfer your trust over to him. And something about this whole thing is compelling to you. Something about this community is compelling to you. Something about these worship songs and the message that you're hearing is compelling and it's drawing you in. And I want to tell you, that is God speaking to you. That's God's spirit drawing you to himself. If you're here this morning and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, in a minute, we're going to pray. And I'm going to say a simple prayer and have you repeat it after me. It's just a prayer of commitment where you would commit yourself over to God. And if you've never done that, today's your day because the first step to freedom is putting your trust in God. And if you're here today and you've never put your trust in God, today is the day to do that. And God says some incredible things will happen. He says that, that God will forgive you of your sins, of the things that have taken you away from God. And he will fill you with his spirit, giving you the ability to live the life he created you to live. And he will walk with you on this journey of life. If you've never done that, I want to I give you a space to do that now. So would you join me as we pray? And if you're, you're here today and you're ready to make that decision to commit yourself to God, you can pray this simple prayer. You should repeat it after me. It's a prayer of commitment saying, God, I want to follow you. So just whisper this right where you are. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came to earth and that you died on a cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And that you did it so that I could be forgiven and be drawn back into relationship with God. And today I say yes. Yes, I want the forgiveness that you offer. Yes, I want the freedom that you can bring. Yes, I want you, God. So would you come and would you fill me with your spirit? And would you guide me on this journey? Would you give me the courage and the wisdom to follow you? And in following you, would you help me to experience freedom? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.